the one thing that happened at halftime was a little bickering, not bickering, but the beef between T. Lou and Braun. That's what happened at halftime. And let's just say, if you were in that locker room, you didn't leave it with more confidence, right? <laughs> because, am I, Jenny, am I lying? Because T. Lou no. calls out Braun, then Braun kind of fires back, like not in a disrespectful way, but then T. Lou walks out and Braun kind of mumbles underneath his breath, like, boo, 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 and you're just like, this is not what we need right now. But it was exactly what we needed in that moment. And that's why, you know, T. Lou, I, I don't think he'll ever fully get the credit for as good of a coach as he is. The NBA playoffs are here and you'll be in hoops heaven betting all the action on FanDuel Sportsbook. There are so many exciting matchups and FanDuel is taking that excitement to another level. Because new and existing users, all customers, can bet risk-free throughout the playoffs. Once you have a FanDuel Sportsbook account, you can bet one same-game parlay risk-free every week. That means you can combine multiple bets for an even bigger win, and if you don't win, you'll get up to $10 back. Now, I really like the odds on the Sixers. I know it won't be easy as they are currently down 3-2 against the Hawks, but if they can get past them at plus 550 to win the East, I like it. So basically, $100 earns you $550 for the Sixers to win the East. What's not to love? Basketball fans, now is the perfect time to give FanDuel a shot. New users can still get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with promo code ROADTRIPPIN to bet the NBA playoffs risk-free. That's code ROADTRIPPIN, exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Disclaimer, 21 and over and present in New Jersey. Risk-free bet for first online real money wager only and refund issued at non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Same game parlay refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund $10. Restrictions apply. See term at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile and web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It may have been a while since the last time you had an excuse to dress up. But whenever that next chance is, make the absolute most of it with Indochino. Indochino offers completely custom-fitted suits, shirts, casual wear, and more at surprisingly affordable prices. Every piece is made to your exact measurements, and you can customize every detail. Choose everything about your suit from the fabric, lapel, monogram, and statement linings. You can create a suit that fits you and your style perfectly. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $399 with all customizations included. Having recently purchased an Indochino suit for a loved one, I chose the online shopping experience, which was efficient and easy to say the least. The way in which their site is laid out, the customer service in which their staff provides, and the little details like colors and styles that fit together perfectly that didn't catch my eye was exactly what I was looking for. The message I received from my loved one upon seeing their custom suit was more than I could have ever asked for. And I have Indochino to thank. Shop for your next best look or book a virtual style consultation at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $50 off any purchase of $399 or more by using code ROADTRIPPIN at checkout. That's $50 off a purchase of $399 or more at INDOCHINO.com, promo code ROADTRIPPIN. With summer officially upon us this weekend, I think we can all agree on just how nice those summer nights have us feeling. Personally, for me, the cool breeze, starry skies late at night, birds chirping early in the morning, 
those chill moments that no matter day or night, a smokeless fire pit from Solo Stove can really just be the cherry on top. I remember so vividly the night spent as a little girl growing up at the river with my family and every night ended around a campfire with hot dogs, hodgepodges, and of course some s'mores. But waking up every morning hearing my parents complain about the smoke they were covered in from the bonfire, it wasn't the most fun part. Got a solution for you. With the Solo Stove Smokeless Fire Pit, you can experience all the joys of gathering around a fire without the messy cleanup. I recently received the Solo Stove Bonfire and sent one my parents' way as well. Side note, it makes the perfect gift for others too. And we cannot stop using it. The efficiency from unboxing to how portable Solo Stove is makes for a hot product, no pun intended, from the jump. But the length of burn, the clean, no ashy or smoke-filled air, and the heat that it generates, it's the perfect addition to make your summer day spent that much better. Truly built to last. No one needs a reason to gather around the fire. Solo Stove just took away any reason not to. And now you can get $10 off when you use promo code ROADTRIPPIN at checkout. Just go to solostove.com. And remember, you get $10 off when you use promo code ROADTRIPPIN. This episode is brought to you by Starbucks Triple Shot Energy, extra strength coffee beverage in a can. That's Starbucks coffee that you love, ready to drink, offered in classic flavors and now in zero sugar. They have four core flavors, vanilla, dark roast, cafe mocha, which is my personal favorite, and caramel. Are you a caramel or is it caramel? Who knows? They are both zero sugar and dairy free. What gives you energy? Find your Starbucks Triple Shot Energy online or at your local store. This week's episode of Road Trippin' presented by FanDuel is a very special and unique episode meant for the times. What time, you ask? This weekend marks the five-year anniversary of the epic 2016 Cavs NBA Championship. We join Bally Sports play-by-play covering the Cleveland Cavaliers and our dear friend, John Michael, on a journey down memory lane. We hope you enjoy. Well, first off, I must say it is fantastic to see the three of you again. Uh, We have convened today because this week marks the five-year anniversary of the 2016 NBA Championship. Sometimes that title feels like it was decades ago. Other times, it's like we remember it from just yesterday. First off, how are all of you, and how long ago does that championship feel? Oh, I think it always, for me, it always feels like last year, because <laughs> it's like still so fresh. What, what Channing? Uh, it feels a long, long time ago. I think I only had two and a baby on the way, and then like this pandemic's been forever and it's been like a three year, one year. Um, and, but I always keep this thing like right here, just in case, you know, so I keep it close. Uh, but like, he says, you're it, such a kiss ass. He's wearing an Indians and the Indians. Like, I had a, thing. I had a, a Dodgers one on his baseball day. I got to do yard work, which is beautiful uh, outside. God's country, Portland, Oregon. J Mike, do you do your yard work in baseball attire? <laughs> I do not. I was about to say I am going to do yard work right as soon as this is over. Yard work day, Richard. My bad. <laughs> so hey, we're gonna take a quick look back uh, at the title, lead everything leading up to it uh, and after it as well. Channing, in a post championship talk that you had at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse with Kevin Love, you said there was so much going on behind the scenes during game seven that while it was playing out there are about 10 other subplots or other stories that were taking place 
Can you share any of those stories with us or just give us a look behind the curtain at some of the things that were going on as that historic game seven played its way out? Well, like, I think what was special about that team is the communication. And so each person had like a designated person that was supposed to talk to that one person. So when Kevin came out the game, James Jones and I were like, and maybe Richard sometimes, depending on where he was, was only <laughs> supposed to talk to Kevin. And then when Richard came off, they were like, Channing, go sit next to Richard. And Richard had like three five-hour energies, two double shots of coffee. Richard's, I don't know how Richard's heart didn't explode out of his chest. So then Delhi doesn't know if he's going to play. Then, you know, Mo Williams, who hadn't played the whole series, and Dante Jones got in the game. So, like, the bench, if you watch us, everyone is talking, calling out calls, like, go there, do this. This is this play. He likes to do this. So, like, people are doing that. And by the third quarter, I looked at Spiro and was like, somebody got cooked. I got to go in the back. He was like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> and I was like, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> so, when we were down Did you really seven, say you were going? I, I, I got to go. I feel like I, you said you had to go. You tried to go in the back during yeah. the game. Because I, I was – Cause I was so, when you're into it that much, yeah, I was just like, we got down, I think seven. And I'm like, this is it. We are, it's it for us. This is it for us. And James Jones goes, no, it's not. We're coming back. Shut up and get here. Tap, boo, boo, boo. So like then Mo Williams getting the game. And for one second, we thought, what in the F? Like we were looking like, is, it, is he going to foul somebody? Like was he, but he came in there and gave us minutes. And we, we were like, what? This is amazing. Dante Jones, I think, got got in a little bit. And then it was just so much up and down for every point, every possession. It's like, I can't explain to people, like when you play during a regular season, you got those big binoculars, right? Because you're looking. But imagine having those big binoculars, like on a little, uh, whatever those, a microscope, and you are so locked in to every play, every possession, every call, every timeout, like it's exhausting mentally. Like I never had that much adrenaline in my life. And I knew I wasn't gonna sniff the floor because they were moving too fast for me. They were moving way, I say, listen, that well, the same I, No, I, you know, it's so crazy because everyone has, like the, the one thing that you'll get from Channing and I is we'll give you the authentic like emotion. You know, there's certain people that like try and play cool. And I was just so laser focused and so locked in. Me and Chan like, screw that. I had no idea what was going on. But but I, I will say the up and down, you know, for the, you know, this game has been so dissected. And I remember right before the break, right before the break, they went on a run. Right before halftime, they went on a run. So it was back and forth, back and forth. And all of a sudden, it's like a seven point game and we go into halftime and then, you know, obviously you're in halftime and you're just like, damn, we're down seven. We're on the road. It's like, if they hit two consecutive threes, it's 13. You're not coming back against those dudes. Right? Seven so it's like, like so much. It did because oh. there was just like, there's no room for error in those moments. <laughs> so then we come out and I, I, I want to make sure that that history remembers our boy the way he needs to be remembered. J.R. Smith comes out and that started that second half and immediately goes on a run of his own, right? He goes on and hits like eight points. We go from down seven to up seven. And like, he is outstanding. And I just remember being like, 
you know, fighting than being down and just being like, God, what's going on? It's over. Not over is not the right word. It was more of just like, what the hell? Then, then, then a sense of doubt is a great way to put it, Channing. Congratulations. Then be going up and being like, we've got this. Oh my God, we're going <laughs> to okay, win wait this. Wait a second. Let me ask you something about that with J.R. Smith because obviously <laughs> we all lived it, right? But the other day I actually saw a clip where it was just those three threes after the half, at the start of the third. So like there was nothing else to watch. There was nothing else to go on and like have your mind on, but I watched it in the way in which he took those threes in a game seven finals game after being down. Did you guys say anything at halftime? No, cause he did that. No, he did that. It was right after halftime. So right, right that's what after, I'm saying. Yeah. but did something happen at halftime where he just came out and was like, you know what? I'm just going to shoot it every time I get it. Because no. that's exactly what he looked no. like. No, the one thing that happened at halftime was a little bickering, not bickering, <laughs> but the beef between T. Lou and Braun. That's what happened at halftime. And let's just say, if you were in that locker room, you didn't leave it with more confidence, right? <laughs> because am I Channing? Am I lying? Because T. No. Lou calls out Braun, then Braun kind of fires back, like in a, not in a disrespectful way, but then T. Lou walks out. And Braun kind of mumbles underneath his breath, like, boo, 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 boo. and you're just like, this is not what we need right now. But it was exactly what we needed in that moment. And that's why, you know, T. Lou, I, I don't think he'll ever fully get the credit for as good of a coach as he is. But that's where it was just like, like Channing, to your point, like that up and down emotion of those games where it's like, don't get too high, don't get too low. They say that over a series. Or, I mean, they say that over a season, don't get too high, don't get too low. Then they say it over a series, don't get too high, don't get too low. But to have it happen over the course of a game, that is one of the more <laughs> difficult things that I think I've ever been a part of. It took me a full day. So we won. We're still up. We go to Vegas, still up, pass out for that whatever. And then you wake up and you're back up. I didn't cry from the finals until I got to Don Ramones and Westlake drinking and that's a true story i'm sitting there with my hat like <laughs> did you really oh with the big margarita looking at the thing looking at us at the little mini parade coming off the plane like tears tears and my wife's yeah. like sip up chitter sip up John, my uh, is, since we weren't fortunate enough to be a part of the select crew that got to go to vegas um, we got kicked yeah, off that plane so that? freaking hard and fast. And okay, you have a really good story about Vegas with your wife. <laughs> well, the, the it was three planes that went back. Usually, for those who aren't familiar, we all travel in the same plane, right? Because there were so many people at the finals, they broke it into three planes. So the first plane that went back was friends and family. And that right after the game, they flew home. Okay, the second plane was us, Allie, was me, yes. other <laughs> secondary folks, right? They told us that our plane was delayed. So they sent us to a Holiday Inn in San Francisco by the airport, which we stayed at until like five in the morning, right? So I called- we were also with like coaches, coaches' wives. Yeah, my wife. Wives. Front office yeah. people. Yeah. Right. So we got stuck there till five in the morning until our flight crew was ready to go, which happened to be about the third plane was you guys directly <laughs> to Vegas, right? So by the time you guys were finishing up in Vegas, we were still sitting around at the Holiday Inn, right? So our planes ended up arriving home almost at the same time. So when you did what you saw, Channing, you guys coming off the plane was almost when we came off the plane, right? 
So when I got home, you know, obviously in social media, everybody was following <laughs> you guys in Vegas and seeing all the celebrations. Oh, God. Meanwhile, I had told my wife, sorry, honey, we got stuck at this Holiday Inn. <laughs> we were. So when I get home, there are people there, my family, way to go. This is awesome celebration. My wife is icy. I'm like, what? Like, what? <laughs> what's going on? Hour later, she goes, so how was Vegas? I was like, you, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I'm like, no. She I'm really thought there was a she 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 thought that you had gone to Vegas, but it wasn't that you'd went to Vegas. She thought you'd lied about going. To yeah. Vegas. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, you can call Allie right now because I swear to God, <laughs> Allie and I were on the same plane. There were three planes, wasn't it? Oh, it's it so is. funny. Like, that, yeah, that, that hotel six. I would have crushed that mini bar. I would have been like, oh. keep this open, keep it open. That hotel six. Are you serious? What was it called? You can at least give motel. us a Holiday Inn. A holiday a motel inn. six. A motel six. The no. The no-tell motel. Yo, oh like, gosh. No, it, it's funny. Like Jenny, you talked about crying at. You talk about crying like at the thing. Like for me, and I know a lot of people have it. Like, just kind of the envision. Like, what would you do if you won? What would you do? Or would you want? And like, some of the emotion is like, is raw and unexpected. Like to see Kevin and to see like Braun hugging each other. And it's just like, you're on the court. And the first thing you do is you grab somebody hug. I, it, it was so weird because I had always envisioned over the, when it starts to become a reality of like, what would you do if you won? And Bob and I was like, dude, I would just probably freeze and just probably start bawling. And it was oh, so yeah. funny because I was on the court when Kyrie hit the shot. And then I was subbed because we knew what play they were going to run last. We knew what play they were going to run last. So we put that group in there and that's what subbed me out. So that is what put me on the bench. It was only because of that situation. So it was like, even how I envisioned it, like I envisioned in my, my mind, I would just sit down and just have a moment, right? Just like whatever. But then the way like the, uh, the substitutions and everything went, I ended up being on the bench in that moment. So it made it very, very surreal just because it's like, you know, I, I, and we've talked about it, you know, I, I, I've talked about it a ton. It's like, dude, I had lost in two NBA finals, a national championship, an Olympics. Like I'd been so close so many times. Damn, hey, loser. Yeah, I'm such a loser that I was just like, it was like the biggest weight, not just off like my NBA short career, but like off your whole sports career. I hadn't won anything since a state championship. And, you know, Channing has one of those. They were 4A, not even 5A. They don't know what that means, Channing. When was the moment though, Richard? Was it right there on the floor when that final horn sounded? Was it locker room or was it hours later like Channing's situation? No, mine was that in that moment, in that yeah. bent, like I did not move probably for 90 seconds. Like as soon like you, somebody okay. sees Dante Jones sprinting across the floor. People think I uh, just a bald headed light skin guy, but that was Dante Jones. That wasn't me. <laughs> I did not move. I just Richard just full put, cry baby face. Like, oh, I was <laughs> done. Yes, yes, yes. It wasn't pretty. Please It was it. not pretty. I was, I was. I was like crying so ugly. Like I'm glad there's footage of it so I can see what my ugly cry looks like. Uh, no, because it's like, dude, we work so hard and everyone works so hard. And like, I hadn't been to a finals like 13 years. There was 13 years in between like my first, my second final and then my third one. 
So it was like, I don't have another 13 years. So then to be down 3-1 and then to have all of the emotions that go behind uh, the comeback, it was it was exhausting. But that's part of the reason why I tried to retire after the game. I was like, I can't do this again. I can't do this. I can't keep drinking five-hour yeah, energies. Yeah, and then you, and you made the entire city of Cleveland beg for you to come back at the little pep rally. I was like, oh, I didn't make God, them. here we go. I didn't, I didn't make them. They chose that. <laughs> they chose that. Hearing, hearing Little Rich, hearing Little Rich say one more year and not even knowing what he was talking about <laughs> is still one of the funniest thing because that's all he chanted at the parade the whole time that whole five-hour parade god. oh that meant god it, you know it's Sorry, interesting you mentioned being down we'll talk about the parade in a, in a minute but you mentioned being down three one you guys lose a winnable game four in cleveland to go down three games to one right you get on the plane, knowing you need to win three straight, two in a place okay. where the Warriors have been a combined 50 and three regular season and playoffs. All right. Yeah. Yet it seemed, at least to me on the plane, Al, you tell me if you agree with this, there was an authentic confidence, not a, a rah rah or a contrived, ah, we're going to go out there and get them, guys, but a true confidence that you were going to get this done. Is that how you guys felt? And if so, what was, what was the reason for that kind of confidence? Oh, I think I, it was just different. What? I'll say that about you guys. I thought it was so different. It was like silent. It was different. Yeah. Like it was silent. There was nothing from our back of the plane, obviously with you guys, like watching you guys go on and off the plane. We had to look at all of those things coming into the media availabilities leading up to it. I mean, I don't think in the moment we recognize like the, the viral things that go on now of like Braun and his shirt and the sunglasses um and what clay said during those times and those moments we didn't that. look at it then how we all like look back now and are like oh wow hindsight does see 2020 well everybody like, was wearing those shirts Allie. like right? so none I, of us paid attention really to no, that none of it. that was a thing it was more so like the demeanor and the way in which you guys carried yourself like around and it was silent but it was different like it just well, felt yeah, like I, go ahead go ahead Jenny. I'll say this, the thing about our team was we were really effing smart. And it was never what they were doing, it was the mistakes that we were making. And then when James Jones or LeBron or whoever else was watching film, everybody would watch film and be like, dude, you met, we literally, for instance, one of our teammates, we literally went over, you know, getting to the, and I knew I was gonna play and I knew the thing, you get to the body, when they run that little together screen, you got to push them together so that they don't have a weight. They have to stay around the three-point line. And the first play of the game, he was off the body. They split cut on that little whatever action and went to the hole. And everybody on the bench was like, he's not ready to play. Get somebody else. <laughs> you know, like, but like, that's how locked in we were. So our confidence came from if we, we, we felt like we had the two best players on the court. Right? No offense to Clay and Steph. We felt like Braun and Kyrie were the two best players on the court and that they couldn't be stopped. And we said, if we get them in an opportunity to be special, they'll take over and do it. We just can't mess up. Well, and look, I'm not going to, and because I do respect them and I respect Draymond, the Draymond suspension, it was big. It was big. But like, if you watch sure. the postseason, if you'd watch what had been going on and some of the scuffles that he had gotten into, like Draymond was on, he was on, he was on, uh, you know, thin ice. And so I, I remember si like seeing that. Now, 
if you go back and there's everyone's going to dissect it, but they were worn down. They were down 3-1 the series before. Playing two back-to-back game sevens against Kevin Durant. We just saw what Kevin Durant did with a, with a messed up Achilles. Imagine how tough he is with a, with a real Achilles fully attached. Like he had, they had to come back from 3-1. They had guys that were injured uh, in the, I think the, the okay. Portland series and the Portland series. So it was like, they started to wear down as the series went on. That's really all it was. Uh, and when Draymond got out, I, I, I literally said it on the plane. I was like, guys, we needed some help and we got some help, right? Like, look, they still got the two-time MVP. They still got Clay Thompson. They still got the finals MVP and Andre Iguodala. They still got, uh, you know, they still got a ton. Draymond obviously was a big piece, but, it took a special game and Kyrie and Kevin our Kyrie and Braun put up a special game, but it was a very simple formula. You win one game on the road and those dudes combine for 82. And then, <laughs> and then you go back and that's where Cleveland, Cleveland, what they did in game Ooh. six, I don't think has been done maybe in sports. I don't know how many times you can probably count on one hand, Cleveland fans, what your energy did is unlike anything that really you can put into words. And then game seven, it's a anything can happen. So we just wanted to get ourselves to anything could happen. Special game in game five with a little bit of help of Draymond being out. And then um, really and truly the energy that we got in Cleveland. We knew we weren't going to win. We weren't going to lose game six. We knew we weren't going to lose game six. Just that was a confidence that we walked in there. That was our best. That was our best single game in two years. In my two years where we lost in 17 and we won in 16, our best single game where we knew for a fact we were going to win the game was game six because then it was going to go into game seven and, you know, the rest is history. Dude, we, we were making things up just to hate them more, right? We were like, oh, they're complaining about the bus? Man, F that, like, that type of hatred like you could tell, but it, it helps because we didn't want to give them anything. Like if somebody was going to rob you, you wouldn't be like, well, they may be hungry. You're like, man, I'm about to beat the junk out of these dudes for coming into my house. That was like my vibe with everybody. Like we are like, there is no way on God's green earth, they are going to come in here and beat us. And, and we were just like, even the guys that knew they weren't going to play, were like so locked in to just talking to some if they if you were in that corner next to us dante jones was talking reckless everybody the co- the coaches the trainers anybody in the front row oh, the, 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 the trainer when i tell you that the medical staff was so locked in so game six i believe that was the dante jones game right was that the dante jones game where he played really well in game six uh where yeah, dante like has yeah, yeah, yeah. Played four minutes had like five points so Look, as trainers, let me give you guys a little insight. As trainers, like they don't like it when young players get on the table. They don't like it when like like guys that aren't in the rotation. But Dante Jones is the ultimate professional. And so it's like he's like, hey, I got to get this worked on. I got to get this worked on. And I'll never forget after the game, one of the medical staff came up. He was like, that's why you work on everybody. He's like, Dante came in here and I had to work on him for 20 minutes because his hip was a little tight. And this dude hasn't played in two months, right? His hip was a little tight. And so, you know, worked on him and worked on him. He's like, that's why you do it. You do it because you don't know. 
And it was like, that just shows you like everybody was, the medical staff was like, dude, screw it. Come on, Dante, let's, let's get you. Let's make sure that your body's right. Cause normally it's like, yo, like if you're not gonna play, it's this, like it's just whatever. But that just shows like top to bottom, like players, coaches, medical staff, everybody was like anything that we can do to put ourselves in a position to be successful. Even if that means that we got to go and stretch the 15th man for 15 minutes or 20 minutes when you don't have that type of time because it's so chaotic, you got to do it. I mean, John Michael, being working on the radio with you, one of the most like impactful things that still stands out to me is James Jones. Remember when he, oh. guys, he like took over a huddle in game five? He literally had not played a lick, not like a single minute. And there he is like running the huddle. And it was yeah, just like- He all watched more film than anybody else. Yeah. And that's a fact. More than Braun, more than Kyrie. Like this dude would go to dinner as well watching film and it's going over. He's like, Channing, look at this. He says, he's done this three times. Every time he comes in, he does this. Okay, here, who do I need to talk to? Channing, you go talk to Kevin. We do this. Okay, look at this sub. If we sub this guy in for there, then he won't be able to play this. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> like he broke the game down into sections. Like what we see initially, what, and then like, like cause and effect. When Channing comes in, this guy goes in. When Richard comes in, he goes in. So if we play Richard at the beginning, they don't have a sub that matches up with anybody that we're bringing in. And then that guy who used to play 40 minutes now has to play 48 because now he's guarding somebody who has going to play 24, like Richard, who's going to go out there and play balls to the wall. And that's giving Kyrie and Braun a chance to not have the number one defender on them for a portion of the game. And like, to think like that, like completely changed the, you know, the small rest of my career, but it, it's why he, the Suns are good. Well, 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 guys, yeah. And it's like, you want to talk about how important James Jones was. James Jones is now the GM of the Suns. In two years of being the GM of the Suns, he took them from not making the postseason for 10 years to being in the Western Conference Finals. Now, obviously, a lot of things got to go your way, but that just shows you the type of basketball mind that we had supporting us and on our team, mm -hmm. right? Like, it, it's like, yeah, you have LeBron, you have Kyrie, you have Kevin, you have guys like myself. And, but, like, it was, like, down the line, the roster, the basketball minds were, were, were just, it, it was so crazy. The NBA playoffs are here, and you'll be in hoops heaven betting all the action on FanDuel Sportsbook. There are so many exciting matchups, and FanDuel is taking that excitement to another level. Because new and existing users, all customers, can bet risk-free throughout the playoffs. Once you have a FanDuel Sportsbook account, you can bet one same-game parlay risk-free every week. That means you can combine multiple bets for an even bigger win, and if you don't win, you'll get up to $10 back. Now, I really like the odds on the Sixers. I know it won't be easy, as they are currently down 3-2 against the Hawks, but if they can get past them at plus 550 to win the East, I like it. So basically, $100 earns you $550 for the Sixers to win the East. What's not to love? Basketball fans, now is the perfect time to give FanDuel a shot. New users can still get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with promo code ROADTRIPPIN to bet the NBA playoffs risk-free. That's code ROADTRIPPIN, exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Disclaimer, 21 and over and present in New Jersey. Risk-free bet for first online real money wager only and refund issued at non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Same game parlay refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund $10. Restrictions apply. See term 
at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile and web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. With summer officially upon us this weekend, I think we can all agree on just how nice those summer nights have us feeling. There is just something so magical about summer evenings, and we have something that can make it that much more enjoyable. Solo Stove Smokeless Fire Pit. Growing up as a little girl, no matter if it was with my family or my friends, every night just seemed to end around a bonfire. And days after, the smell used to follow me anywhere I would go. And I know I'm not the only one who's experienced this before, but luckily for us all, Solo Stove, built to last, has us covered. Now, Solo Stove creates story-worthy moments without the fireside fumes. So it's stainless steel construction designed to regulate airflow and burn more efficiently. Yeah, check. Easy to keep lit, even easier to clean. Check. Having received my Solo Stove fire pit, I can assure you also that it's easy to light with a few bits of a starter. Your fire is blazing, blazing in minutes. They're so confident you'll love it, and they offer a lifetime warranty and 30-day free return policy. No one needs a reason to gather around the fire. Solo Stove just took away any reason not to. And now you can get $10 off when you use promo code ROADTRIPPIN at checkout. Just go to solostove.com and remember, you get $10 off when you use promo code ROADTRIPPIN. This episode of Road Trippin' is brought to you by Bourbon Time. Even if you don't have a traditional nine to five schedule, there is no denying that this past year has changed the way that work and rest intersect. Without a designated office to come home from, we're missing that natural break in our days. Our friends at Jim Beam recognize this phenomenon and they wanna help us out. Beat the burnout and start blocking off the hour of 6 to 7 p.m. as your me time, where you can do what you love for you and only you. And what better way to spend my me time than with my feet up enjoying a nice smooth glass of Jim Beam. So let's make the idea of bourbon time a reality. Join me in reclaiming 6 to 7 p.m. as the happiest hour so you can do whatever it is that makes you happy. And if that involves a glass of bourbon, remember to drink Jim Beam responsibly. Jim Beam Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, 40% alcohol by volume, copyright 2021, James B. Beam Distilling Company, Claremont, Kentucky. So great to hear you guys talk so glowingly. And I've heard it now for years about the crowd during that game six. I've heard you talk about this a number of times, Richard, and just what they meant to you. And I have a feeling that the magnitude of what you guys did for Cleveland fans has not been lost. I mean, this is a city that hadn't won a title since the 1960s. What stands out the most to you guys about the reaction of the city and the fans during that run? And maybe since then, over the last five years for what you did for the city of Cleveland. Uh, I, I'll, I'll go first. I, I think it becomes more, it means more now from a standpoint, looking back on it, those like those moments become even more obviously the fans and like me and Channing weren't a part of like all of the history and all that. But I think to go back and hear all the stories of like Father's Day and like all of the things that happened, both of Channing and I have both lost our fathers since then. So like to have them there in that moment, Channing and I, and I can only speak for our experience, Channing and I both had kids in Cleveland while we were, you know, playing there. So our attachment to the city and like having, you know, you know, my son who's named Phoenix, but being born in Cleveland, it's just like, there's a connection that I think forever, not only that team, but just even personally Channing and, you know, myself have uh, because of, 
just like it, it was just such a unique moment in time and to have guys still come up to me and be like my dad you know he was a Cleveland fan and he wasn't with me but I just broke down because I knew what it meant or I watched it with my dad on Father's Day so it was just like there's such a deep emotional connection that goes past winning like there's it's, it, it was more than winning that wasn't just it you know, like, you know, Allie, you know, works in LA now and, and she saw the Lakers and the Dodgers and it's like, oh, the Lakers and the Dodgers won again. Cool. That's awesome. It's about damn time. Well, in Cleveland, it was like a deep seated, like emotional connection that like you don't see often with, you know, fan bases and communities. I'll just say this. It's just more like, to me, Ohio seems as big as Texas because every time we're going through an airport, somebody goes, Thanks for 16. And they're like, and just randomly. And I fly to Atlanta all the time. And it's just like, are you, how many people are from freaking Idaho? Like, Idaho, Ohio. It's just like, you know, when, you know, Richard and I were going to little dive bars, we're going to ZZ Tops and whatever place that is in Westland. Oh, what, what, what was Dover. it? What, what, the Dover. The Dover. Oh. But like, people got to Love see Dover. us, right? People got to see us. We were out eating restaurants. We were t touchable. And I think that made the connection to the city even better. Um, and then even coming back, it was just like, uh, being able to retire there was huge. And like Richard said, I had my kid there. And it's just like, you. there's nothing I will ever bad. I can't say anything bad about Cleveland other than the weather, which everyone knows. And y'all got too many bugs for me. But like Cleveland always has like my heart. As like people, where are your favorite places? Obviously, because I'm from Phoenix. Phoenix and then Cleveland. So for me, it was just like to have that championship and to have something that's a part of history. Um, you know, I still got my key to the city. Um, you know, I, know, I think it's June 22nd. Uh, that's the, the whatchamacallit? The, uh, the, the parade. Day. Yeah, yeah, the parade. So for me, it was just like, dude, looking at these things and getting those emotions is always good, even though it feels like a century ago talking about oh and by the way and oh, last thing my birthday's on june 21st so it was like all one big cluster for me so it was just like a oh well sorry richard yeah, happy birthday no i don't no i know today's not my birthday idiot i'm just saying just in What's general today? i don't what is today oh it's, it's the 17th okay my no, bad. I, I, yeah yeah <laughs> no I, I was just more saying that like there was a lot going on a lot going on 1.3 million of our closest friends showed up to uh, to celebrate that in the parade. Allie, let's start with you. Uh, <laughs> in the heat, thoughts about that uh, that wonderful day? Um, yeah, can I tell you that my morning started at 5 a.m. with a production meeting because we actually, unlike you, all three of you, J. Mike, you got to ride in the parade as well. Uh, we had to work it, but started at 5 a.m. and I you rode with us the whole time. No, 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 no. I did every interview because God bless the city of Cleveland that we love so much. Obviously, I don't think was expecting the 1.3 million. So there were some things missing that helped. Maybe <laughs> like, like barriers. barricades. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so with that said, I stood at the end right before the rally and waited and waited with our dear friend, RIP, uh, Fred McLeod. And by the time you guys actually got down to us, for us to start our interviews with you guys as you would drive by he had to go get ready for the pep rally so then it ended up being Allie handling all the interviews and I was fortunate I interviewed all three of you um I interviewed a horse um <laughs> because we were just trying to wait some time but 
I just think like the sheer joy. And I remember saying it after I left, uh, I had a kind of disgusting, a little kid puke Gatorade on me because it was hot. Remember it was a very long day. So hot. Um, a lot of people though, all they felt was genuine joy. Like that was it. Like no matter who you were standing next to, I mean, it's crazy to think about now after the year we just had with COVID, but standing next to strangers, sharing in like one sentiment of joy, it was, I mean, I couldn't, you couldn't write it up any better. Like getting on the car with you guys, Channing telling me on television that was broadcasted nationally for everyone that we pissed <laughs> once. Like I'll never forget that, the pizza. Um, like you guys oh, did the trophy coming up no, to wait, UJI. Wait, but what? But how are the, okay, like people, like Cleveland fans, you know me and Channing are two very unique individuals. You guys, we, we definitely help tell the story of that Cavs team. What are the chances that Channing and I are the only two that got the trophy? The trophy, <laughs> the trophy got lost. It was, it was bolted onto a truck and it was supposed to be barricaded. So all of a sudden it took a wrong turn and these guys were like, dude, there's a million people here and we have the NBA trophy up on this thing. So they covered it in the towel and they ran back to the parade and then they look at us and they're like, Hey, do you want this? And we're like, yes. So I'm thinking in my head that, Oh, it just must be our turn in the parade, like concession with session or whatever thing it's called that it's our turn to just hold it. And they were like, no, dude, we got so lost. Blah, blah, blah. They were so happy. So for the next three hours, Channing and I are the only people that ever got to raise the trophy during the parade. Like what are the chances of the two dumbest people on the team to have that type of love is mind blowing. Wait, what, the, what, what, it fell off of what? How do no, you know? No, I think it was the wrong turn. They were like, oh yeah. crap, we have to be with the parade. So this dude is coming. He took I'm the pretty off. sure, yeah. I'm uh, pretty sure the guy, J. Mike, was Rhett. I think Rhett was like, wait a minute, this trophy, the car oh, went the was, wrong way. And was so supposed Rhett to be on a flo- was supposed to be on another flood. Like, and it was exposed. And it was exposed. Was exposed. Okay. Yeah. And so it was exposed. It was exposed. Like, and when you mean exposed, that meant like there was nothing stopping anybody from jumping off there. They weren't around yeah. the rest of the security. They weren't in the line of cars. So he takes the trophy off, covers it up. And to his credit, you should get interview him for this. To his credit, he wanted to bring it back. So he went through the mob of people. <laughs> he went through the yeah. mob of people. God love Reb, but to his credit, what do you think he was going to run off with it and no one was going to stop yes. him? Yes. <laughs> do you understand? Uh, first of all, do you understand that if a mob of people saw the trophy oh. going through the crowd, there's a chance that that trophy would have disappeared. I would have tried to steal it. Let me be really honest. Let me be really honest. If I have an ESPY at my house. When we went to the ESPYs, we won like five awards. I still have an ESPY because I wouldn't let go with it. If there was a chance that I thought I could steal the NBA trophy, it would be at my house right now. Rich is a clipto, ladies and gentlemen. That wasn't going to go very far, so he knew what he was doing. Was my point. I don't. I don't know. You have a you have a mob of a million people that have been drinking in the sun all day. If you're, if, if like you weren't going to be able to move. I, I just thought it was a really. If you saw the terror look on his eye when so he handed me that trophy, trust me, you wouldn't feel that way. Well, it's like you're stranded uh, on a like a little life raft, and then all of a sudden there's like a small, tiny island filled with tigers. You're like, do I hold this or do I give it to Richard and Channing 
who are obviously been drinking since six in the morning. <laughs> oh, and we were so hungover. We because oh. we went from Vegas. We had one night. Then we went and did a party. And when I tell you, we didn't go to bed. It was like 6 a 7 a.m. We were coming home when the lights were up. I think we just kept drinking and like we went to Kevin's and kept it was just it's a celebration. We played then, beer pong with Delhi. Yeah, we went to Del. We did everything. And then the net Daly's neighbors started showing up at his house. It was just the it was a week-long party that was just, it was this next level. You guys finding the trophy apparently has been commemorated with this. Aha! Yes. This yes. is the championship yeah, I gotta, bobbleheads. I gotta find my bobbleheads. Issued by yes. the Cavs. Have you guys got one of these things? Do you oh, like I have tons. Them? I have tons of them. Oh, yeah? I have tons of them. My kids wanted them very, very quickly. Wait, you have this thing, Richard? <laughs> yes, I have that. That's the floor. That's the floor. <laughs> yes, I have that. Channing, I you see like your Arizona stool, by the way. I'm jealous of that. I'm, I'm not going to oh, yeah. jealous of that. Yeah. I got the other you like two. sharing this, uh, this bobblehead with Channing, Richard, or? I, well, obviously, you know, J. Mike, I don't. Out. You know, you know, I don't <laughs> like it. But a, a, after a certain point, I just kind of, I came to terms with that my <laughs> championship is going to always be connected to him and that him and I like art like obviously we're we're like you you know, the closest friends there there's no there's no you know yes you're definitely the poop i'll be the pee i think oh my god i think if, there, if this was really like putting the end on like that whole time and you create like a bobblehead with just these two guys like weren't these the two that like won out like the the competition uh, right yeah. and if that's how you're gonna like capitalize on that champion i just think it's so funny that COVID happened, so <laughs> and they couldn't actually be issued. <laughs> we couldn't actually be uh, we uh, well, We're coming back. Kevin and I, I was talking to Kevin, and uh, we were like, dude, we can't wait till the 10-year reunion. Hey. Uh, I know. I wish I wish there was a five-year reunion. That would have been a great oh, yeah. one. We can make yeah. a, a six-year reunion and a 10. We can go <laughs> six, eight, 10. Oh, the 10 is going to be a good time. Oh, hopefully everyone's retired by then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think there might be still guys still playing. That's five more. Hey, as we close up shop, final thoughts, lasting memories. Let's go around the horn quickly, Allie, or message to the fans here in Cleveland as it's been five years now since that 2016 title. You want to start with me? Yeah. Um, okay, I, I was kind of prepared for this. I will say, obviously, being uh, an Ohio girl born and raised um, that time meant so much to me um, starting my career there as well and then just kind of going through that experiment experience I remember telling people in the business um, that cover teams like we are fortunate to on our side and, and Rich you have a hand in that with the Nets right now um, it is a different level of experience you feel very intimate you feel um, like you were a part of a team and um, I hope that like everyone on that level gets to experience that because that's just what it is. It, it's just so awesome. And I have moved seven times since 2016. And the one thing that goes everywhere with me is the champagne bottle that I took from the locker room that I was not allowed to take. And we all drank it on the airplane at five in the morning as we were coming back and you guys were all partying in Vegas. Um, it's disgusting because it literally is the exact bottle. I haven't touched it. I haven't washed it. Um, why are you, why are we not allowed that, to take Allie. it? Why are we not allowed to take it? Apparently, you were not allowed to take that stuff from the locker room. And there were two bottles when I left oh, at the end. Did you oh, see how many I took? 
And I had like five. <laughs> okay, well, like you guys five. actually played, scored points, and yeah. were part of the team. When you're <gasps> me, it's a little different. Too much. So I, too much. I take that everywhere with me. Um, it's just, it means so much to me. And for someone like myself, whose career um, was propelled from moments and situations like that, and, and I've moved on, the love that I still feel um, from Cleveland fans, from Ohio fans, um, I, I owe a lot to that 2016 team, that run. Um, and to you guys, Richard and Channing, as part of the team, I mean, you let us inside as broadcasters more than you'll ever know and how uh, much that meant. Um, truly, it's special. So, yeah. Uh, I'll go next and let Channing finish. I'm not a big memorabilia guy. Uh, Channing, Channing and Allie have both been to my house. I don't have, like, jerseys hanging. I don't have that stuff. And, and, you know, some, I won't say bitterness, but some of it is because I was so close. Like, you know, I wanted all of my stuff to be, I, you know, I have a bronze medal, I have other stuff, but it's just like, I was never a big memorabilia guy. 90% of the memorabilia that I have uh, over the course of my career that I, I hold true to my heart now is typically stuff from that era. Like I have multiple bottles of that champagne that's just not open. I don't even know if it's good anymore, but I have that. I have tons of always believe shirts. I have always believe hats and I stored them. Like such a cool, like, like for Nike to make that always believe. Like, and it was like, I have the shirts that have like, we believe. I have so like, I have so much stuff that like um, is associated with that run and that time. And, you know, it's just, it's something that, you know, having my son, little Richard on, you know, on my lap during our team picture after game seven, there's so many things that I hold dear that like that single team, that single moment is all of the sports stuff that I've ever done, opening ceremonies, final four, all of that stuff combined doesn't even like come close to what being a part of that team and that city and that comeback, what that meant. And so, um, you know, like I said, all of like, you know, all of my memorabilia that I have that I kind of hold dear is, is from that, that, that moment in time. Mine's pretty wild. Is I'm with Richard. I have a lot of stuff that I've carried for a bunch of different teams, but it's all, I, I was taking the towels. I was like, hey, Lauren, Lauren, put this in your pocket. Like I took my jersey off so that nobody could have it. So I actually have the jersey I didn't play in on game seven and I gave it to my wife, uh, but it was really still sweaty, which is weird, maybe because of warm-up. No, you, see, you have a glandular, glandular, yeah, oh, glandular issue. issue. But um, if you think about it, I came last. I was only there with that team for six, seven months. So I wasn't even there a year. So February, March, April, May, June. <laughs> So I five was months. only there five months. It felt like I was there five years. So it's wild to see how, like, when things fit, they just fit. And, um, you know, the Cleveland fans are the best. You know, they don't like everything that we say all the time, but they appreciate us being honest. And uh, we appreciate the love. And um, we're always riding out for Cleveland. And, um, man, we I mean, it's just epic. And I'm glad I had an opportunity to, to be a part of that. No question. Well, listen, personally, it's good just to see the three of you uh, once again. And uh, I'm proud of the three of you for what you've done uh, over the last five years of seeing you guys. Thank you. Uh, can, can, I give, can I give one last shout out? One last shout out. Uh, I need to follow up too. Okay. Okay. My, my last shout out is that 
Channing, myself, and Allie have all gone on and done really successful things in the broadcasting space. And was it something I said, Channing and I and Allie starting the road tripping podcast because of the stories and the fun that we had, but without, you know, you know, McLeod uh, and for him to be there and for him to be gone now, I just want to make sure that, you know, you know, we acknowledge him because as much as like that was a moment in time in Channing and I's career, it was also at the end of our career. And the next phase of our career that we've been able to have success and have, you know, some attention and be able to continue to grow, a lot of it is because we learned so much from that man. So there was on the court stuff that impacted us in Cleveland. And then there was off the court stuff that impacted us from Cleveland and his impact on, you know, our career. I can't speak for Allie because they had worked together for years. So I know the impact he had for, for her over years over my, uh, my, myself and Channing that short amount of time doing, was it something I said was like a thing that it just, you know, he helped me become a broadcaster. So when you see me on ESPN, when you see me doing different stuff, a lot of that is because of him and my time in Cleveland. So even my broadcast career is so tied to Cleveland because of him and, and the organization. So I just want to make sure that we're not just acknowledging the past, but also what it's meant to our future. That's so well said, Richard. And, and I think it actually just takes me into this, which John Michael, you're probably going to be mad at me, um, but I apologize. But since Fred has passed, you earned that opportunity to sit in that chair. And did I just find out that you just won an Emmy? As a what? Player? Oh, yeah. Yes. I am so proud to Richard's point. Yes. My relationship with uh, Fred, obviously, in that position in broadcasting, but I also got to work alongside you, J. Mike, on the radio side for a lot of those postseason coverages. Uh, you have one of the most epic, alongside my brain, calls of that Game 7 Finals. Um, I know you work your tail off, and to see and hear that news for you, I found out right before I came on here, and I have it written down to remind myself because I knew we'd have a lot of fun with this, but... In your second season, Jay Mike, um, Cleveland's very lucky. You know, they had Fred and oh. they had you and truly. Hey, the best, the best Shut in the off. business. So thank you guys. Thank and Brent as so well much. won an Emmy, I heard. No, we don't, we don't, we don't so. care about Brent. We don't care about <laughs> Brent. You guys are awesome. We don't, awesome. we don't care about Brent. Hey, I appreciate the kind words, everybody. So good to visit. Take care. We want to thank the Wagner family of Camus Vineyards for providing us with some of their delicious wines. In addition to Camus Cabernet from Napa Valley, the Wagners made a range of other wines from diverse parts of California. We recommend trying them all. We're really enjoying sipping on them during the podcast, and we're also sending our lucky guests some Camus and other wines made by the family after each show.